0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bills back in there to the left of Martinez. Snap back to Adrian. Looking right. Stets throws. Pass caught by Wandale. Spins, dives. Touchdown, Nebraska. Wandale Robinson back in the end zone for the second time tonight. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts Ben McLaughlin and Austin Orman.
1: Thank you. Welcome to an edition of Sports Nightly that is covered in snow. Be careful out there. You're out driving around. Good grief! It is getting slick in a hurry. Roads are uh, are quite the quite the process right now. So go ahead and uh, take your time. Be safe wherever you're going, wherever you may be going for the holidays and hopefully continuing to have a, a nice, safe break away and, uh, and settle in. we got three hours of Sports Nightly coming your way here tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll talk with Jeremiah Searles from our own Husker Sports Network here this hour and put a bow on his 2020 Husker football season. It was a lot of fun doing the fifth quarter show with him and get his final thoughts on how the season went and cut him loose for the holidays after all his hard work with us here this fall. An hour or two of the show, we'll run through our Big Ten and Bowl predictions. I think uh, Josh has already uh, claimed the hardware for the year's worth of selections with the group. It hasn't been particularly close since about Halloween. So Josh is going to take the crown, I think, um, unless, he, unless he just doesn't submit picks, which I, I, think, I don't think that's possible because he's in attendance working tonight. So I think he will at least – Put something down on paper, but we'll find out if it's mathematically over with with all of us with our Big Ten picks tonight. We're going we're gonna to throw a curveball, talk some NFL tonight with Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. It's been about two and a half weeks since we've had Ian on because we've been uh, having other obligations. Husker played football last Friday. We've had hoops, and so it's been a while since we've chatted NFL with Ian. We'll play Big Red Replay tonight. We'll also play some Buy Sell and we'll find if anybody's creeping closer to greg i think austin and myself are are within arm's reach of greg but he's starting to distance himself a little bit and we'll hear from matt Cotney. nebraska women's basketball in action earlier today in west lafayette at Mackey arena taking on purdue uh, indiana road swing for amy williams bunch so we'll hear from matt Cotney before we sign off here tonight as well. As always, we welcome your calls 531 500 4686. The number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Speaking of basketball, last night, uh, Nebraska basketball opened their conference with the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, Fred Hoiberg's squad at the Cole Center taking on the ninth ranked Badgers under Greg Gard. All five starters back. They just lit up nationally ranked Louisville earlier this week and looking like the team we all expected them to be. Uh, frustrating second half for the Big Red. Um, Wisconsin came out exactly like you had hoped in that game uh, after you know so many positive shooting statistics going their way and scoring over 80 against Louisville. You felt like... Maybe they were due for an off night, and that certainly was the case in the first half. Wisconsin could not throw the ball in the ocean in the first 20 minutes. Unfortunately for Nebraska, they couldn't extend their lead uh, much past 10. In fact, 10 was their biggest lead with about six minutes to go in the first half. And just like that, Wisconsin ripped off a 10-0 run right after that to evaporate that lead away. You felt like Nebraska to win that game should have had that at least between 20 and 25-point lead. That sounds ridiculous to say, (laughs) but the way that Wisconsin was shooting in the first half, it was an absolute opportunity for the Huskers to really make a statement early, and unfortunately it didn't happen. Um, Massive scoring run again from Wisconsin in the second half. We've seen this way too many times with this big red basketball team here in 2020. Happened against Creighton. Happened against Georgia Tech. Happened again against Wisconsin. 16 was the biggest run that time. And that was halfway through uh, the second half of play. So really uh, a frustrating night, Austin, when you look back at at what could have been. You knew the team would have to play really good defense uh, to play Wisconsin, to beat Wisconsin. I felt like for the most part, they did play pretty good defense. I felt like uh, they did a decent job on the boards. So they were out rebounded by nine. But in the end, sometimes basketball comes down to making shots, and Nebraska didn't do near enough of that to win on the road against a good Wisconsin team yesterday
2: no not near enough and exactly like you said in the first half where Nebraska needed to find a way to extend that 10 point lead past 10 to 2025 which sounds ridiculous but that's how talented Wisconsin is it's how well they play together like you said that's a veteran team all five starters back six guys to get good minutes back and sometimes stepping on a team's throat doesn't happen you know in the last four minutes of a game sometimes it happens in the first four minutes or the first eight minutes of a game Nebraska really missed a chance and that's unfortunate but it's this. group's first game of Big Ten play against one of the better teams they'll face all year. One of the teams that's, you know, expected to win the conference. Wisconsin made a run at it last year. They win the conference. They're expected to do it again this year. And I follow an account on Twitter, Ben, called Shot Quality. Some NBA teams use it. A handful of college teams, too. Nebraska, yeah, they lost by 14 points. But if you look at the shots both teams attempted, if they make them at their normal rates, that's a coin flip game. 50-50 game. Nebraska misses eight free throws, four of them from Trey McGowan, so there's a handful of points right there, and you get a couple more to go down, and you're right in that game, so it just points to, again, Nebraska's getting the shots it wants for the most part, it just has to have guys step up and knock them down. One guy that I think kind of struggled at times last night, Teddy Allen, was in foul trouble. He's a guy you can turn to to go get yourself a bucket. But sometimes he presses, and that's where the turnovers hurt Nebraska because Teddy's got to get his shots. He's a good enough scorer. He's earned them. Trey McGowan needs shots. Delano Manton needs shots. But the turnovers make those guys feel like they have to press, and then it marginalizes guys like Lott Mayen. Sometimes he still needs to get going for Nebraska. Thorier Thorby Arnison hasn't shot the ball well to start the year. It's just a perfect storm of some stuff going wrong, and it's amplified me you go to a place like Madison
1: my man yesterday had six really quality looks from three, missed all of them. Can't happen. Got to knock some of those in. Um, I'm not saying you got to make all six. I'm not saying you even need to make five. But when you were brought to the team to be that prolific three-point shooter, you got to make those shots. You've got to find a way to put those balls in the net. And he was doing it earlier, um, at least at a decent clip, and, and for whatever reason um, just wasn't going down for him. And you are going to have a couple of those nights as well. Kobe Webster – yesterday another guy that we, we thought would contribute in the scoring column um, doesn't score yesterday nothing and you mentioned Teddy Allen you know at times I think he, he presses is an understatement I mean he's so out of control at times and I think he just wants a, a, a bucket so badly that it's it, it comes at an expense of a turnover luckily Nebraska did a much better job of taking care of the ball yesterday uh, just nine turnovers as a team Teddy had three of them but I To your point, I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, there's not much more you can do if you're Fred Hoiberg. You're getting all the looks that you want offensively. Um, Ivan's still missing way too many shots at the rim, easy putbacks. The foul shooting has been – Greg and and, and Josh and I were texting about this (laughs) yesterday. I don't know what it is, man, about free throw shooting in this team, but it's like they're allergic to making free throws. That's just free points that you're leaving at the line, even if you miss, you know – four to six that's four to six points that you don't have on the board and that could be
2: the difference in a lot of these big 10 games you have got to make your free throws it's, and, it reminds me a lot of the football team where you can't kick a touchback if you kick a touchback 70 percent of the time 75 percent of the time make your free throw 70 75 percent of the time you know it's a little thing that adds up in the long run hidden yards hidden points wisconsin goes 15 of 15 from the stripe and i'm not asking you to go
1: 100 percent from the line every night But we got to be at least north of 80, 85 percent to to be a, you know, a a team that's to not be a detriment, I guess, in that area. So there's there's tons of things that need to be better for for this team moving forward. That being said, I did see that that tweet put out the quality shot tracker that you were talking about. That's important because, you know, people that, that may watch that game. And you know they're, they're, we've talked we've, we've already hit on everything that needs to be better. Number one, you got the scoring runs can't happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's inevitable that teams are going to go on seven, eight point runs. It just it happens in basketball. But 13, 15, 16, 21, that's, that's absolutely inexcusable. and, and you, you're not going to win any games if you do that. So that's got to be better. The free throw shooting has to be better. The turnovers have been a huge issue. Coach Hoyberg made the team sit and watch all of them over that 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 game stretch there. I'm not sure how many games in a row that that was. But I think that was that was improved yesterday. You did see Nebraska rebound I feel feel pretty well yesterday. They forced six steals and did some good things defensively. But, you know, overall under Fred Hoiberg, you've got to make open shots. I mean, this is an this is going to always going to be an offensive based team, and when you're missing open threes, when you're not making free throws, when you're missing bunny putbacks, it, it's just going to kill you. And so, yeah, Nebraska loses by fourteen, and, and they they chuck a couple in late to make it look more respectable, but it's just you. It's got to get more consistent, and I, and I don't know that if it's just going to be a night-to-night deal, how much the coaches can work on that in between games, but you know, honestly, Austin, the, the part of the reason why we were so excited, particularly early in the season, is because the team was making shots, and you could see them work at their full potential.
2: Right, and there's enough guys on this team that we thought we wouldn't have to deal with these eight-minute scoring droughts, like Nebraska had another one in the early second half against Wisconsin. We thought we had enough long athletic defenders to prevent those seven, eight-point runs from doubling into 14, 16-point runs, but it's still happening, and some of that comes with chemistry, where you can't just force a guy to say, hey, we need you to go get a bucket, go do it, because guys are going to miss shots. It happens. But we thought Nebraska would have enough options that at least some of them, two or three of them, enough of them would hit on any given night to keep Nebraska in a game. It hasn't happened consistently, and that's not necessarily on Fred Hoiberg. He's getting the guys... The shots that he wants them to take we've seen them knock them down it's just about getting more consistent and to your point Ben about Nebraska you know throwing in a couple late to make it more respectable I thought that was the best Nebraska look they were playing loose they were playing Mm. free they weren't bogged down in the half court and I know you know it's garbage timing put up numbers there but I wonder if we see Nebraska press a little bit more moving forward because Wisconsin wants to grind it out in the half court Michigan State will grind it out in the half court then run in transition and make you play in the half court again as well there's a lot of teams that want to slow it down a little bit on the defensive end they're not afraid to dig in there that's not Nebraska's strong suit Nebraska wants to run so I wonder if we see Fred Hoiberg and Doc Sadler try to open that floor up and not make their guys think so much about if they can just play a little freer in transition moving forward
1: yeah yeah I I would agree and you know Wisconsin's a great team they're a good team but everybody in the Big Ten's good so You know, you you can always use that that kind of cop out that yeah they're a good team and you weren't expected to win. Well, you're probably going to be saying that most nights in this league, and so eventually you got to you got to catch up. And and I do feel like team go beat them right. And I do feel like Nebraska has the talent on the floor to win. I don't I don't look at what Nebraska had on the floor last night, what Wisconsin had on the floor last night. Go, did we just have no shot? Um, I mean, maybe it was because they were th- throwing bricks up in the first half, but <laughs> I've seen all those guys play before, so I know what they I know what they look like at their full potential. And with Wisconsin, it, it just it's just how they play, man. They go on those they they hit a three, they get a steal, they hit another three, they get a rebound, they hit another three, and boom, nine points just like that. And that happened to Nebraska at least twice last night. So frustrating, I know, but uh, you got to flush it and move on. Huskers will play again. Uh, on Christmas night, so just got to find a way to, to keep the thing moving and, um, you know, hopefully improve and make get better and, and you know, just hopefully those, uh, those shots begin to fall at some point because uh, it, it's going to be awful hard to win in this league if you're not, um, you know, m- making the shots that you need to make specifically when they're open, so... Uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that as, as we move along we'll switch gears now welcome on our next guest our first guest of the night has been waiting patiently mr jeremiah searles buddy first of all great to great to talk with you now that you've had a few days to digest uh the end of the season the end of the 2020 season where are you kind of at with uh, how the how the season wrapped up with the w in piscataway
3: you know, I'm very much at peace with the season being over right now. I know a lot of people are upset we didn't go to a bowl game. I know a lot of people thought that that meant we were soft or we didn't want to play. Or, you know what, man? I'm just happy to finish the season with a W for the first time in three years. <laughs> to end the season on a high note, moving forward, building momentum for 2021 on a good performance of running the football having 600 yards of offense, getting some sacks, getting some turnovers, kind of an all-around team win. I think that that can do more for your off-season morale than if you had to put together a game plan in eight to nine days and try and go rush into a bowl game.
1: Jeremiah, the the, the next kind of thing right now on everybody's minds are are what seniors coming back. I think every single situation is different based on the individual. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know, when it comes time to make that decision – you know, it's, you're going to have to ask each individual player what, what played into it. I think you're going to have a lot of different circumstances. Um, when you look at that decision as a whole, or at least how 2020 progressed, what, what pros and cons do you see that these guys have to, to both come back or to just, you know, based on their own personal situation, to, to hang it up and move on?
3: Yeah, so I think there's a couple factors that I think the first one is these guys that were NFL hopefuls and have legitimate shots to playing in the NFL. You have to start looking at pros and cons of where am I going to be drafted? Can I play in the league? And does one more year help me or hurt me? And I think a lot of people always think like, oh, I'll just get better. I'll just develop more if I stay for one more year. That's not always the case. Injuries happen, you don't play very well, something goes on where it's not a serious injury, but it's something that kind of nags at you so you don't play to full potential. So, immediately I look at this roster and I think, okay, Matt Farniak, Brendan Hymas, and um, Jack Stoll would be my guess, all three, say, moving on because all three of those guys have draftable grades. Then you start looking at guys like Ben Stilley, Will Honus. And you're looking at those guys going, man, they could, they made some good jumps into year five, and they have a lot of tape put together. But can they make that jump into year six that maybe does push them up from a free agent or a camp body into a possible drafted to a preferred free agent an actual chance to better themselves and make the team? And then the last group of guys are, is there guys that just love football so much knowing that they're not going to play at the next level, but they want one more year of college football. And they just know that they can do that because COVID kind of gave them that one more year to hang on or the exact opposite of, man, I'm just done. And I'm ready to go use my degree and move on in life. And I think that there's going to be so many talks in Scott Frost's office this week and into next week about what's best for them, what's best for the team. And they'll come to an agreement because I'm sure there's some guys too that's like, hey, you know, we need you to graduate because you've got guys coming in. We still only have our 85 scholarship limit. So there's going to be some really tough conversations, but there's also going to be some really easy decisions for guys that are just ready to move on.
1: Jeremiah, you're one of the f- select few that, that had the opportunity to play at the next level. So few, such a small percentage of college football players are given that chance or at least do anything with their chance. You were one of the, the small percentage that, that got to finish your career um, you know, in, in the National Football League. And I know you made that tough choice to pursue other opportunities, which we couldn't be happier about here at the network to have you. But when you had has some time to reflect um, you know, away from Nebraska – what, what was it that you personally as a player missed the most about Lincoln, you know, from, a, from an outsider's perspective looking in that you would tell those seniors that, hey, don't take this for granted, don't take that, that for granted, and as a guy that went through it, you know, really come to appreciate blank. What, 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 what are some of those things that you really um, maybe missed about Nebraska that you just didn't get anywhere else?
3: Yeah, I mean, the the number one thing is you miss your buddies in the locker room. Um, it's different in college when you're all growing up together and you come in as 18-year-old kids and you develop and you leave as 22, 23-year-old men that have been through a lot together. And the camaraderie and the group that works together for everything is is gone because you get into an NFL locker room, and I tell people this all the time, the NFL locker room is the most diverse place in the world you'll ever see. You've got – 53 to 90 guys from completely different walks of life, completely different parts of the country, and you are all competing for 53 spots. And it becomes so much more of a job than the love of the game. You have to really have it versus you can get through college football based off the love of the game. And here in Lincoln, the love of the fan base, the passion of the state, the passion of the support that you have. I mean, I went in San Diego my first year, and you talk about a program that had no real – passionate support from their stands where you look at a stand Mm on on sunday and it's empty and you're just like whoa that's just not what i'm used to playing in front of and that's not what i'm used to seeing and being there and it's just so different when you make it to the next level because it's so much more of a job and the stress level just goes through the roof and so I, i tell these kids if you come back for a sixth year soak up every moment Because even if you're fifth year, soak up every moment. Because if you decide to move on to the next level, it becomes so much more of a business and so much more of a job that the love of football just turns into a different type of passion.
1: Jeremiah Searles, former Husker, current member of our network here uh, on Sports Nightly. Jeremiah, one thing that I'm curious to get your perspective on, and it's something that uh, we're going to be watching not just with our players here in Lincoln, but players all over the country. And that's the idea of the transfer portal this isn't something that was really around when you were playing and there was still you know to a certain degree there's always exceptions but that level of understanding when you're a freshman that you're you may have to wait your turn you might have to wait a year two or three before you're in the starting lineup depending on what type of situation you're walking into anymore it seems like a freshman will give it three six nine months at most and if they don't have their situation that they want they're hitting this transfer portal at one time, this was a, a good resource for a player to have. But I think between December 1st and December 12th, there was something like 250 plus players that entered this portal. And it's became saturated very quickly. When you hear that word transfer portal, and you think back to when you were playing to when guys are playing right now, what does that mean to you as a former player?
3: You know, I really don't like it. Now, do I think that it's necessary in certain circumstances? Absolutely. Do I think it it was created as everything is created to have a positive impact on the game? Yes. But as anything, it can turn negative very quickly. And I think that as you look at it, it's Treated more like an NFL program where it's like I demand to be traded and I demand to hold out and cut me and I'll move on in life and you can do that in the NFL but there's something about learning how to grow and learning how to compete through really tough circumstances that maybe it's not what you thought it was going to be here at Nebraska or Ohio State or Georgia and and you're like man I, I thought I was going to play as a freshman it's like earn it. It's okay to earn that. And you learn a lot of good qualities in life when it comes to stuff like that. And it's just hard for me to think back to guys that I know that struggled to get on the field early that eventually became starters their senior year or their junior year because they just grinded it out and they just kept working and and they didn't hit the quit button or the panic button and and the eject button. And I, I really hate what it's doing to the young players of college football because, one, it changes the way guys get recruited. I mean, if you're recruiting a guy and you tell him, like, hey, we think you can come in and help our football team right away, that might be true, and you think they might, but when they get here, if they're not ready and you say, hey, you got a red shirt this year, or hey, you're not going to play this year, they're going to be like, well, you said I was going to help this football team this year. It's like, no, well, we said you think you are. It's like, all right, I'm gone. Like, so Mm -hmm. it just changes the whole game with everything versus – and it really makes a competitive advantage for teams like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. That's like, hey, you're going to come here, you're going to register, you're going to play for two years, you're going to go to the NFL. Cool. Done. Right? Like, that's, sign me up for that. But when you look at teams like Nebraska and the smaller teams like, you can't say that. And if you want to beat out schools like that, you have to say you think you can help us early to get them in the door. But then it's hard when you can't play all your freshmen all the time because you need to redshirt and develop guys. So it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing for me to grasp and put my head around. And I'll say this: I'm glad I wasn't. It wasn't around when I was in school because I'd have a real hard time dealing with it, especially with guys trying to jump ship off a team. Yeah, and
1: and there, look, you're absolutely right that there are a significant number of these cases that it's necessary for, for both the player and the school to move on. It's just, it's not a good marriage and, and those kids will, will benefit from it. The interesting thing to me though, is how, you know, even just two years ago, it was this great resource and it seemed like schools were fighting over guys and that's still going to be the case, but it's amazing to me how oversaturated this market's become already where, you know, you're going to have kids enter the transfer portal and think they're automatically going to go to a power five school that was once a pool of maybe 50 to 150 players. Now that's going to balloon to well over 500. And, and there's not mm-hmm. going to be spots for all these players. Just because you leave and enter your name doesn't mean someone's going to go s- swoop you up. So I, I do think that there are going to be uh, some lessons learned and some reality checks for these players that, you know, just because I decide to leave Nebraska or leave USC or leave Texas, that there's going to be a Power 5 offer waiting for me somewhere else because as just as you were talking about, the NFL players competing for the locker room. Now you got a pool of 400 to 500 athletes competing for those, those scholarships at power five levels. And there's going to be a lot of kids that are left without a place to go.
3: Yeah. And I think that's one thing too, kids have to understand, like, look, if you've got a scholarship to go to a university to get your education paid for, like, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Like, don't, don't look at something that's in your hand. I mean, I have. you could use every dad saying there is no demand, right? Like, two in their hands better than one in the – or one in the hands rather than two in the bush. Like, you have <laughs> a gift in front of you of a scholarship and an education, which is more than 99.9% of the, the rest of the world is given, right? Free school. And to think, oh, because I'm not playing, I'll just go play somewhere else. And all of a sudden you could honestly waste that opportunity because of the pure saturation transfer. And you standing there in January, February going – man i'm not even in school right now like that's going to be a huge reality check that's what the problem is a lot of that kids will never get back right you'll never be able to recoup some of that stuff and you might get a partial to a smaller school or something like that but it's just hard because i think there needs to be a lot more education from the universities about what happens if you enter the transfer portal right like i think that it's really easy like i'm transfer portal and just make it wherever it's like, no, here's the process and here's the what could happen and here's what most likely will happen, and now you make your decision. Uh, there needs to be more education from the universities on what could happen with the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, and what could turn into a one-year wait, let's just say at Nebraska, could be a, a two-year wait by going to junior college mm-hmm. and then go someplace else and then you got to wait. You know, it's – I just think that there's a complete misinterpretation at times of of what the transfer portal offers. It is this magical place that's going to turn your, your current situation into a better one. And I think there are going to be a lot of athletes that learn that the hard way. Jeremiah, one thing that you and I talked about after the Rutgers game was Nebraska's offensive line. First time in program history, three freshmen started up front. Turner Corcoran making the start at tackle. What's your excitement level for this group and the job that Greg Austin has done, not just in recruiting, but getting these guys prepared you know as, as well as anyone how difficult that is early in a career to where they're on the field competing and playing pretty well uh, in their first year or two, or year or two on, the, uh, on the offensive line on a Big Ten school.
3: Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I think Turner Cochrane came in and played phenomenal in the absence of your main staple left tackle for the last four years, right? Um, he was really physical at the point of attack. He had a couple of really nice space blocks where he got out in space and depleted a couple of guys. So, I mean, hats off to Duvall and company in there for getting him physically ready. Now, Greg Austin getting guys like Bryce Benhart start an entire season, Ethan Piper start majority of the season that's really hard to do and people think man they're young they're not doing anything right now it's like no you know what? you you take your lumps with the young players uh it's gonna happen i mean like i said i think i remember i said in the fifth quarter i got my butt beat by von miller and Alvin smith as a redshirt freshman but it made me damn better as a redshirt junior and a redshirt senior right because you had those experiences of going against nfl type player and caliber and it gives you a benchmark going into the offseason mm-hmm. Like, okay, if I want to compete against these guys, I know what I have to feel like speed and strength-wise to keep up with these guys. And eventually, I don't want to just keep up. Eventually, I want to be able to dominate guys like that. And so it's really good to have those experiences. But you're going to take your lunch, especially as offensive linemen with young players, just because they're still physically getting developed. I mean, if you're a 19-year-old freshman going against a 23-year-old man, there's going to be a little bit of mismatch there. But I thought overall those three guys are going to be really, really big parts of why this offense goes if it goes in the right direction, which we hope it will. It's going to be because of those type of three guys. And people forget, too, that Jurgens is only a second-year starting offensive lineman, too. So he's still considered a bit of a young guy. I mean, he's going to be the veteran on that offensive line next year, which is crazy to think about. But there's a lot of upside, especially if you can get guys playing together and the congruency that you can put between those guys, it can make huge dividends for this program here in the next three, four years.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's what makes Wisconsin and Iowa's offensive linemen, other than their size and skill, the fact that they played yeah. it, you know, a lot of those guys grow up together, and they've played together for four to five years. They, I mean, it's. there's something to be said for that as well. I'm, I'm excited about this group. I know you are too. It should be a lot of fun watching them. Uh, grow up and develop into uh, into good players into this program, Jeremiah. Thanks for jumping on with us, man. Uh, it was it was great to hear from you again. Thanks so much for all your hard work again all year long with us here on the network. Merry Christmas to you and your young family, and and have have some good food over the break, will you?
3: That's the plan. We'll do, guys. Appreciate you guys bringing me on board this year. is a blast. Looking forward to some years ahead where we can talk about wins every time on the fifth quarter.
1: All right. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our Big Ten predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. Josh, what was the damage from uh, last week's selections?
4: Well, uh, it actually became more of a widened margin last week. As you mentioned, I I had a pretty sizable lead going in, and that only got bigger. I was 7 of 7 on on picks last week. And, Ben, you and Austin actually were not far behind. You were both 6 of 7. The only ones that you got wrong— We're picking USC over Oregon. The Ducks ended up uh, winning that one. And uh, it was both Greg and Tim going five of seven. So they kind of brought up the rear. So, so far in the season, I'm 109 of 141 on picks. And then Ben, you're in second place, 99 of 141. So 10 back. We're not picking 10 games this week. So we're close. I think we're picking, what, eight or nine. So it'll be. So you're the champ. I guess. I don't. It's the first time that I've ever won, won this, the Big Ten picks. I, Congratulations. I, it's, it's a big moment. We've got to get you something. We, um, I don't know.
1: I, don't, I mean, I'm not in any, uh, any position to uh, – I don't think I have anything laying around the house unless you want, like, toys that Franklin's probably too old for anymore. <laughs> uh, we'll, we, we'll, we'll dig something up. But
4: congrats. Thanks. You, uh,
1: you outperformed us all. Well done. You you are superior in every way.
4: Yeah, and in a, in a season that is weird, I was the one that was able to predict things. That makes me feel really good. So when things are back to normal next year, knock on wood, we uh, it, it'll be back to normal where I'm I'm the one that's bringing up the rear in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well let's go ahead and jump into. And we'll start first with the Big
1: Ten Bulls, boys. There are a handful: Wake Forest in Wisconsin, and the Duke Mayo Bowl. This. On December 30th, that'll be the first game with a Big Ten team. Two games on the 30th. Wisconsin, a touchdown favorite. All right, champ. Why don't you bat lead
4: off? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. I know they've really underperformed from what we thought they were gonna be this season. A lot of that's just because they had a lot of issues with COVID. Didn't really play a whole lot of games. But not really knowing a lot about. Wake Forest I I don't feel like I'm very impressed with them don't know a lot about them so I'll go with Wisconsin they're a seven point favorite and yeah give me the Badgers
2: austin yeah i think i'll go with the known quantity badgers as well i wasn't really impressed with them at all but with jamie newman transferring out of wake forest he was a big part of what the demon deacons have been able to do recently i will take the badgers and tim got his picks in. good on that guy so we'll take wisconsin as well
4: greg also got his picks in. he went with the badgers is it just the three of us participating yes okay Mm -hmm. um Make it four for four,
1: or whatever. However many people are voting five on for the five. Badgers, five for five on the Badgers. I, I again, Josh, your logic. I haven't watched a ton of Wake football, and honestly, uh, my trust factor in Wisconsin has gone way down. Yeah. But I still feel like I trust them a little bit more than I trust Wake Forest. Um, so, so give me the Badgers on that. All right, game number two. That this is basically a doubleheader uh, for the Big Ten. The next game at three o'clock on ESPN. You've got Iowa. And Missouri, Uh, this is the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Iowa over a two-touchdown favorite in this one, Austin.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Pretty solid year for Missouri, all things considered. When you open up with Alabama at home, then two Tennessee. LSU was still supposed to be good by the time Missouri played them, but that went out the window as the Tigers knocked off the Tigers good season for Missouri I think they end up under 500 I think Iowa gets them every time Mizzou's faced a credible defense this year the offense has struggled definite improvement but Iowa's definitely the known commodity I will take them in Music City
1: yeah I, I'm team Iowa on this too I think Missouri's better than I think they they are like than, than I think they are so I don't know they're at they're as bad as uh that as I hope they would be, but I, I still think that they're they're not on the level of Iowa. I think Iowa's playing good football right now, so give me the Hawkeyes.
4: Yeah, I'm going with Iowa too. I wouldn't be surprised that line of 14 and a half right now. I I would not be surprised at all if Missouri covers that if it's under 10 points. But um, yeah, Iowa just seems like they they're way more consistent, disciplined team. So I'll take them. Greg is also going with the Hawkeyes, but.
2: Tim. Tim takes the black and gold. Oh, the Tigers over the Hawkeyes. Leave it to Tim. Wow, Look Tim, Tim out
1: on uh, on the Hawks. How about that for a concept? <laughs> good for good for Tim. All right, we got to fast forward to New Year's Day uh, for the next one between Auburn and 14th ranked Northwestern. Auburn, of course, looking for a head coach. That program's a mess right now. They so they hire the the Boise State coach, which seems like it'll go like oil and water but what do I know (laughs) um so so they're bringing in uh, a new coach Northwestern on the heels of a very hard-fought Big Ten championship game in the Citrus Bowl Northwestern a three and a half point favorite I hate to keep pick picking Big Ten teams guys because as we know that that rarely do they does any conference finish with a a sparkling record but I'm going to take Northwestern on this I just think um, they're a little more cohesive. You had a Big Ten team beat Auburn at a bowl game last year in Minnesota. Uh, I like the way Northwestern's playing, and I think Coach Fitz is going to finish this season the right way. They've had a great year, and I think they finish, finish with a great year. So give me the cats.
4: Yeah, I, I am not going to disagree with your, your logic at all that you gave there, Ben, but I am going to pick Auburn just because I feel like bowl games are weird. And even though Auburn is without a head coach, you saw Nebraska way back in 2002 without their head coach and Bo Pelini leading them in a a spirited bowl game effort against Michigan State. I'm not necessarily predicting that that's going to happen exactly, but you just never know. And then you could see Northwestern kind of go the opposite direction after just laying it all on the line against Ohio State. I I mean, they played so well in that game and came up short. I could see them kind of just – not necessarily throwing in the towel, but, you know, not being able to bring their energy up to where it was before. So, and obviously, Auburn has lots and lots of talent on the yeah, roster. Do. But I'm going Auburn, and then Northwest or, or uh, Greg's <laughs> going to go with Northwestern.
1: Yeah, well, wasn't it two uh, years ago that, that Purdue just got absolutely boat raced blasted. by Auburn? So, this is the third year in a
2: row that Auburn's played a Big Ten team. Yeah. They're one way up and one down, I guess. <laughs> To me, Auburn and Northwestern are just very similar teams. Plotting offenses, really solid defenses, but I just trust Northwestern a little bit more. I haven't liked what I've seen from Auburn at all, so I take Northwestern as does Tim. Timmy! Way to go, Tim. (laughs) Uh did we give Greg's choice?
4: Yes, he went with Northwestern. Northwestern. So okay.
1: I'm I'm alone on an island here picking Auburn, That's okay. but it doesn't matter. You might lose one whole point on that. So <laughs> you know, maybe that maybe you start out of the Make stumbling blocks next
4: year because of it. Right.
1: Okay, <laughs> let's uh let's go to Ohio State Clemson national semifinal, the all state sugar bowl and the big easy Clemson nearly to seven and a half favorite over the Buckeyes. Revenge factor on Ohio State from last year. Mm. Dabo Sweeney, not a fan at all of the Ohio State Buckeyes. 11th in his poll, which is, uh, as we right. all know, all that matters. <laughs> um, Josh, what, how do you see this one going?
4: Well, uh, honestly, I could see this being a blowout and Ohio State not really being in this game. I, they're, they're, They have a lot of talent, but... It, you know dabble has a point in the fact that they haven't played a lot of games and i don't necessarily think that that means that ohio state doesn't deserve to be there i think that they probably are the fourth best team in the country or somewhere around there um but i think that clemson has shown this year that they're a really really good football team and they'll be competing for another national championship
2: so yeah give me clemson here austin i don't think it's stretching to say that i think clemson's offense is at least as good as indiana's i I think that's pretty well within the realm of possibility and i think the clemson defense is really solid at least as good as northwestern's and we saw how tough it was for ohio state to move the ball i don't think justin fields has two bad games in a row i think clemson still just has too much so give it to clemson two out of three here i'm going to choose clemson as
1: well um I, I, I'm with Josh. Ohio State's supremely talented, but I've never been a huge fan of the Buckeye defense really all year. Yeah. I think they've got some good players on that side, but, I mean, Clemson is just a machine offensively. Um, really, really difficult offensive stop. I do think Ohio State can move it a little bit, but I, I'm a little worried about Justin Fields' wrist or whatever it is on his, on his arm or his hand that got hurt against Northwestern because he was awful uh, against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. So give me Clemson. I have a lot of trust in Trevor Lawrence. I really think he wants to finish this thing with a national championship. So give me a little old Clemson. Maybe something good will happen to him this year. Um, <laughs> you know, unlike Dabo, nothing good ever happens to, to Clemson. Right. So maybe, maybe this year that will be the case. And
4: it's a clean sweep, too. Greg and Tim both picked Clemson. So that means that Very Ohio good. State's going to win probably. But. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. Okay, let's go to January 2nd of
1: 2021, the Outback Bowl. Indiana falls all the way to the Outback Bowl. Almost a touchdown favorite against Ole Miss, who's allowing, as we found out yesterday, boys, over 40 (laughs) points per game defensively for the running Rebels. Matt Corral in that offense. No Elijah Moore for Ole Miss, which will hurt them. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is, so I'll just go first on this one. I think Tom Allen's gonna have these guys ready to go. I think they're they're hacked off that they're not in a New Year's six bowl. He'll get those guys ready to play and I think the three of us might be able to score on, on Ole Miss's defense. So give me the Hoosiers. I think they uh
4: they put a cap on a great season at seven and one. Yeah. I, I I'm going Indiana as well. It it seems like I it, it's just two completely different football teams when you look at Indiana and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is just not disciplined. They're kind of all over the place. They have a good offense, but like you said, missing some key parts to that offense. So Indiana, even though they're missing Pennix, they're just so solid, and I don't think they're going to gonna lose us, especially it seems like they're kind of ticked off at what their bowl placement was. Um, and so, yeah, give me the Hoosiers.
2: Yeah, I'll take Indiana as well. I think the spread is of a touchdown is a little close, but I think this will be a track meet, so I think that's why it'll probably be whoever gets the ball last. A lot of offensive talent in this game, even with Elijah Moore down. But give me the who's.
4: Yep. Yep.
2: All right, let's
1: go to some. Oh,
2: sorry, John. I was going to say
4: another sweep here. We've got Tim and Greg picking Indiana. Well, well, there Tim you.
2: took Indiana with You've an heard it
4: down wrong. You're
1: right. Oh. I don't know who's Indiana. taking that. Don't know
2: who that we'll is. We'll get
1: the commissioner but... on that, and we'll see if that uh, that a lot, that gets allowed or not. Um, all right, let's go to the top 25 matchups next. Texas A&M, uh, some people in some logic someplace, probably down in Aggieville, think that they deserved a playoff spot, which they definitely didn't. They'll take on a North Carolina team that's really, really going to be hamstrung in this bowl game with a lot of, a lot of their key, key parts. Um, Austin, why don't you hit first on this one?
2: Yeah, down all those offensive players really worries me for Carolina. The A&M defense isn't great, but it's good enough. This will be a battle of the quarterbacks. Kellen Mond for A&M, Sam Howell for North Carolina. You know, worry a little bit about a letdown for Texas A&M where they think they're you know supposed to be in, in the playoff, which we could— go back and forth on probably more back than fourth but I think they will come out a little more motivated than North Carolina and I think they're more talented with all the pieces that North Carolina is missing so I want this one to be a shootout I'm expecting a lot of points but I think A&M pulls away late
4: yeah I'm I'm going with North Carolina too or not not with North Carolina I am going with North Carolina I, ha- I had Texas A&M uh, written down but I'm going with the Tar Heels Talked you out of them did I yes you did I it's because everybody else, I'm looking at everybody else picking A&M and I'm you uh you mentioned a, the fact that they could very well not be interested in this game I know that North Carolina is missing a lot of pieces going into into this but I still think they have plenty of talent so why not I'm I'm playing with house money give me the Tar Heels I am not
1: picking Texas A&M. I am really annoyed uh, at Jimbo Fisher. Like, what do you think, dude? Like, A&M is a seven-point favorite in this one. The over/under sixty-eight and a half. So, to Austin's point, they are uh, expecting a lot of points in that in the Orange Bowl down in Florida. Uh, this this game again on on January second. Um, Man, Jimbo Fisher annoyed me with that that <laughs> little spout off that he had. I know he's fighting for his guys, but get real, dude. You honestly think you belong in that playoff with uh with how you performed against Alabama earlier in the year and who you played? No chance. Uh give me the Tar Heels just because I'm I'm out on Jimbo on uh, on 2020. Uh, all right, let's go next to uh, Oklahoma and Florida. This one should be a good one uh between the uh The Big 12 champ, the Sooners, who are starting to figure some things out. And Florida ranks seventh, losing in the SEC championship game to Alabama in the Cotton Bowl down at Jerry World. Gators a three-point favorite. Um, Whose turn is
4: it? I'll go. Why not? Yeah, go ahead, Josh. We'll nominate you. I'll take this. And this is tomorrow. This is – or – no, not tomorrow. A week from is, today. Uh, yeah, this week is December thirtieth. Yeah, um, so it's it's an earlier one than a lot of a lot of the other games, but it's a good one. Um, I feel like when you get uh, a game this this good early on, kind of outside of the the major you know New Year's Day bowl games, it's kind of fun. So I. I'm excited about this one. I think that uh, it will be a close game, and I have no idea, really. It's kind of a coin flip to me. I know yeah. Florida's favored, but I'm going to go Oklahoma. I, I don't really have a good reason why, but um, give me the Sooners. Yeah, I'll go next. 71-and-a-half over under on
1: this, so they are expecting the board to be lit up. In Jerry World, I'll take the Gators. I, I think Kyle Trask, the way that he's playing right now, he won't have Kyle Pitts. He's already announced he's declared for the draft. But I think Kadarius Tony's a stud. He is a electric player. Um, I don't know that Oklahoma's faced great defenses a ton this year, even though the Big Twelve was was much better defensively than what they have been. Plus, um, just kind of out on, on the Sooner. So, give me the Gators. Um, SEC, it just means more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oklahoma's gotten a lot better from where they were the first couple weeks of the year probably because you know freshman quarterbacks have growing pain sometimes imagine that we're not used to it out of Oklahoma but Kyle Trask has been on another level this year I think Florida's a more talented team and I think they win this one
4: we've got two opposite though we got Greg going Florida and Tim with me picking the Sooners there we go Booner
1: Sooner can just see Tim cap piloting that Sooner schooner all the way up oh, and man. up and down the field was, was the it him world. that
2: tipped it over last year
1: it could have been maybe I would it's... pay money to see Tim riding on that thing oh yeah <laughs> captain in that thing getting those horses moving that'd be oh, yeah. great wearing the outfit um all right let's finish it up here other semifinal game Notre Dame Alabama tied nearly a three touchdown favorite and this one and I'll, I'll bat first. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Bama's going to win this one. Uh, I just, I, the three touchdown favorite. I know, I know, I'm going against the grain here, but uh, roll tide, roll, and they've been the best team all year, and it hasn't been particularly close in my eyes.
2: Yeah, is the limb limb strong enough to hold two people? It out is that far.
1: It okay, is a sturdy I think limb. Then. I was going to say we're going to need a sturdy limb.
4: It's going to be because it's a clean sweep. I'm taking them. Greg's taking them. Tim's taking them. We're all on board the Alabama bus, so give us a tide. Roll, tide, roll.
1: I mean, good grief. <laughs> they, they're good. <laughs> Just a hard machine to stop uh, there down in Tuscaloosa. So there you have it. There is our Choices Treatment Center selections. If you or someone you love has a problem with gambling, call Choices Treatment Center at 402-476-2300 or the Nebraska Gambler's Assistance Program at 1-833-238-6837. Time to change gears, talk some National Football League. Been a while since we've had on Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian joins us now. Ian, man, it's been a, a bizarre season uh, this year with games kind of fluctuating. The days, uh, watching the teams go up and down, have the ups and downs of the season, maybe no more so than the New York Jets. What would you make of the, the effort that New York put together last weekend?
5: You know, it's... It was a good week of football. The, you know, Chiefs and Saints had a great game. The Eagles and Cardinals had a great game back and forth, lots of fireworks. And I think all anyone cared about was the Jets. I mean, it was incredible. Like, to me, that was that was the main story, and, and it kind of should have been, you know. I mean, there's so much at stake. There's the future of a franchise. There's one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen over the last, say, five years. Someone who I think everyone has known ever since he took the field that he was going to be the top quarterback drafted. It was You know, really, uh, really significant. And, you know, a couple things. First of all, I think for the Jets players, kudos to them, right, because you don't always have to play hard. You don't always have to finish the season like this. Sometimes you don't, and they did, and they kept fighting, and I thought, you know, that was really cool. Um, The other thing is we don't actually know if Trevor Lawrence is is going to be the best professional quarterback out of this group. We think so. But, like, did anyone think that Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen would be some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? No. Did anyone think that Sam Donald after three years would be potential trade bait? No. So, with quarterbacks, you really don't know. It just has to play out. Still a significant moment on Sunday when the Jets actually won a game, though.
1: I was watching the game, and they went down to score it on their first drive to go up 7-0, and I want to say the announcer said – the Jets have scored on their first drive in like their last six games and have been up 7 yep. nothing in like four of those six games or something crazy yep. like that. It's clear they haven't just punted away the season. What what do you think is is being set inside the walls of that locker room week to week?
5: Well, I also think that, um, you know, when they actually have players, when Sam Donald actually plays, when it's not Joe Flacco out there or somebody else, when they actually have receivers, when they actually have linemen, it's not a terrible team. I mean, it's really, the record is obviously bad, but when they actually have players playing, it's not terrible. And, you know, I'm sure Adam Gase will get fired at the end of the year. I think there's going to be, you know, several coaches get fired also, but maybe he's not that bad. I don't know. Um, You know, again, like I think he'll probably, I don't know if he's going to get a third run at being a head coach, almost certainly not. But, you know, I would say maybe he's, doing a better job than people think. And the fact that he's got these guys playing at the end of what should be a completely lost season is impressive in its own, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been fascinating to watch. And, uh, obviously Jacksonville, the other side of this too, but yeah, the jets, the jets have certainly been an interesting study. Um, let's stick in the AFC and, and we've got to talk about Pittsburgh because um, obviously the loss of the Bengals is kind of cherry on top. They haven't played well. The, the offense, which has looked so good for much of the season, have has seemingly fallen apart. Um, the run game is gone from Pittsburgh, and I don't know if it's just a James Conner issue, if it's it's an everything issue. When, when you assess Pittsburgh, Ian, like w- what are the fundamental issues happening in Pittsburgh right now?
5: I don't know that it's a James Conner issue either, although I kind of wonder. I mean, it's hard to imagine the entire run game is just based on one player because there's Lyman, he needs to block, and there's fullbacks, and there's, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but him not playing last Monday certainly hurt. Um, The other question I have, and so the run game, you know, I think that's important and certainly something they're trying to fix. The other thing is, if you watch Big Ben, he doesn't look like he's throwing like he did early in the year. He just looks, I mean, I don't know. He looks like he's not throwing it as well or as hard or as far or with as much velocity. I mean, there's issues. And what is, you know, what's that due to? Is it his knee? Is it just tiredness from his arm? Is it the fact that it was completely repaired before the season? Like, I have way more questions than answers on the Steelers. And at some point, we sort of got to figure out, like, are they which team are they? Are they the team the last three weeks? or the team in the first 11 weeks? What are they going to be like in the playoffs? You know, a very, very interesting situation brewing there.
1: It's going to be a, a fun finish to the year in the NFC because I think other than Green Bay, there's a there's teams out there with a lot of issues, right? New Orleans, we, we saw Drew Brees come back and had a bad start to the game. Great finish to the game. I think you're probably feeling a little better about New Orleans, but I think Seattle certainly hasn't looked as good. L.A. has been really up and down. Arizona has been super inconsistent. When you look at the yep. NFC playoff picture, what do you see right
5: now, Ian? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of I think the Packers have been really good. But, you know, if you look at, let's say, look at the Saints, well, you could say, like, the Saints may not have been a complete team the whole year, right? Like, have they – like, when was the last time they are full strength? I can't even remember. The Seahawks, I think at the beginning, looked good. Now their offense has kind of struggled a little bit. Um and then the NFC East is kind of what it is, but that Washington defense is pretty salty. I mean, I would, if Washington makes the playoffs, I would not be surprised to see them win a game uh, in the playoffs just because they play so tough on defense and because Alex Smith has done well. So I don't know. I mean, it's as muddy a picture as I can remember for anyone. There's also a chance that the Bears, who were left for dead, who had no business in the playoffs, somehow get into the playoffs anyway. It's mm-hmm. all just... You know, it's really very strange. And I think what, you know, maybe the Packers make the make Super Bowl, certainly that's possible. But there's also a chance that some weird team gets in. Uh, and I'm definitely here for that strangeness after this year we've had.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, I don't, I don't know that it would entirely shock. I mean, other than a Green Bay upset, I, I'm with you. I think it could be just nuts in the NFC playoff picture this year. Let's let's stick in the NFC here for just one second. And a team that um, has certainly had ups and downs this year on a bit of an uptick right now, and it's because of the quarterback change with Jalen Hurts. Sounds like a, it's becoming a pretty tumultuous situation with Carson Wentz, who doesn't seem like he's that type of um flamboyant personality but what what type of situation is brewing in philly especially with carson wentz and the contract that he's carrying with
5: them well i mean there's not a lot of good answers unfortunately i well let me say this the fact that you're asking me a question about you know a quarterback controversy means that of all the bad situations this is not as bad for the eagles right because you know the worst situation will be jalen hurts is terrible and they have to go back to carson now yeah. it's like, okay, maybe they have a starting quarterback. Like, maybe. Maybe they, um, maybe they. maybe Jalen Hurts is a starter for 2021. You figure out how to dump Carson and you just move on. I think that would be okay, honestly. Just really fine. You know, Carson is obviously not happy with being a backup. Why would he be? If he has to come in and compete for the job, I have a hard time imagining that he would be there next year. So then it's like, what do they do? And they actually could trade him. The contract, $23 million per year, is very tradable. If you think, if you're a team, let's say you're the Colts or something, let's say you, know, you have Frank Reich and you think you can fix Carson, $25 million a year is not bad. I mean, that's you know 20th in the league for quarterbacks, so they can trade him. It's just you know for an organization that did literally everything to go all in on this quarterback to find out that he's – completely forgot how to play football is obviously a damning and upsetting thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it will be certainly interesting to see how that plays out. And it'll be a, if he does indeed part ways with Philadelphia, that'll be a, a weird uh, kind of career t- to wrap up uh, in Philly, especially with the Super Bowl run with Nick Foles. It'll be interesting to see how Philly. I mean, fans... it,
5: it would be, he's as far as starting quarterbacks. I think he's the only one I can think of that. What. Lo- Didn't get hurt. I mean, he got hurt, but like, you know, an injury didn't cause him to lose his spot. He just stopped playing good football 100% completely. There's not a lot of precedent for that. It's incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a great point. Uh, Let's finish up with Kansas City, Ian. Man, that was a really physical game with New Orleans, especially the last six, seven minutes of that game. Uh, they lose C E H um, for a while, at least it sounds like. Yep. Uh, re- I don't want to say it was dirty football by the Saints. I'm not coming across as a better Chiefs fan. It was. They're just playing good, hard football, and and it was. I, I as a fan sitting there, I'm just like, okay, we got to just get out of it. This. this game's got to get over. We got to get a plane and get out of here, uh, with the win. When you look at kind of Kansas City right now, with what Patrick Mahomes is doing, the season that Travis Kelsey has put together, but also the signing of Brett Veach of Le'Veon Bell um it just seems like they've they've got it they're they're catching a lot of good breaks right now when you assess Kansas City season coming off a Super Bowl where it's easy to just take the foot off the gas from from your standpoint what have you seen out of Kansas City specifically later in the year
5: well first of all I kind of had the same feeling you did on Sunday where it's like they just wanted to like end it and get out with a win which is kind of what they've been like I mean for some reason you know, Kansas City has been dominant with their record, but they've played in a lot of close games. And it feels yeah. like they have, I'm not escaped, but they've somehow found a way to win, So, which is good. In the playoffs, you need that. On the other hand, you know, they're not, I don't know, maybe they're not quite as dominant as we think or as their record. So it's actually an interesting sort of dichotomy there. As far as CEH, um, he, I believe, has a good chance of being back for the playoffs. It is a high ankle sprain and a hip strain, Um, so ligament and ligament, um, or actually ligament and I should say hip muscle. So they think there's a good chance he's back for the playoffs, but it's, you know, high ankles are four to six, so if he's not back for the divisional round, then they're in the title game. I would say there's a decent chance he's back for that, which is, considering what it looks like, not a horrendous move.
1: Oh, yeah, I looked it, that replay was hard to watch. People don't bend, legs don't bend that way, at least on a, a mind right. note anyway, I guess I should say. Um, Ian, yeah. thanks so much for jumping on with us, man. I, I appreciate your flexibility a ton. Enjoy the games this week. You got games uh, really all weekend long. Merry Christmas to you and your family, and hopefully your boys have a have a great time off with uh, mom and dad. Thanks so much, man.
5: All right, man, thank you for having me. It's been an awesome year, obviously, being with you, and, and have a great holiday as well.
0: It's time to buy or sell.
6: Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett
4: Whitty and Josh Hilkeman. That's right, we're here and uh, Brett is here. He was too good to join us for the Big Ten picks, but he he hasn't played with us this year because he just, I don't know, he just thinks he's better than us and would win anyway, yeah. so there's no use of him playing. Is that right, Brett? Did I take the words out of your mouth?
6: Yeah, because I've proven I'm just so
4: good at these uh, these games that we play. <laughs> <Right>. Nailed it. <laughs> exactly. Always top of the charts. <laughs> All right. With that said, let's jump into our answers. Actually, before we do that, I should clarify something. The first season of this edition of Buy, Sell, where everybody plays, this is the last time that we will have questions. So take that in uh, with that in mind, and uh, we will... Have the, I think it's the January, what, the 6th, I believe, is the next time that we will play. Or actually, I don't know. There might be a game on the 6th. It's sometime in early to mid-January will be the last time that we uh, actually have a buy-sell for the first season. We'll wrap up season one and head into season two of everyone playing by sell Very good. Okay, Very no cool. pressure. No pressure. We'll see what where uh, things stand here, though, going into our last week of questions. And the first question that we have an answer to comes all the way back from September 9th, and it was an NFL question that I asked by or sell that the worst team in the NFL would have four or more wins and come from the NFC South or AFC South. Uh, that was a sell. The worst team, Jets or Jaguars, can only get to three wins. So that'll be a sell, and uh, everybody but me sold it. I was the only one that <laughs> oh. bought it and sold uh, yeah, that was not a not very smart on my part. You yeah. timed it. I did. It was yeah, not good. Well, well, we're all catching Greg, so we need to hit him to well, get some. Wrong. Here's the thing: is that I thought that the Jaguars would be the worst team in the NFL, and they're competing for that. But they needed to get the four wins. Yeah, that not didn't the four happen. Four win mark, right? So, oh well. All right.
6: Next up, uh, another question from september 9th i asked this one by herself that deandre hopkins would finish the nfl regular season with at least 1250 receiving yards and that's already a buy he now has 1324 yards through 14 games everybody sold that except for josh so you make up for that let's
4: go lost point wow there. It was basically work, a josh. wash that was just a wash so i <laughs> was dumb on one and then i made the shrewd move on this one and it's it all, it all balances out Next up, uh, Austin on October 21st, he asked a Husker football question by sell, that Adrian Martinez would be the leading passer, Dedrick Mills the leading rusher, and Wandale Robinson the leading receiver for the Huskers in this 2020 season. That was a sell. It was close. Uh, Martinez was both the leading passer and rusher, not Mm. Dedrick Mills as the leading rusher. Wandale was the leading receiver for the Big Red. And Greg, Ben, Brett, and myself all sold it and were right Austin and Tim alone on an island together they both bought it and were incorrect. man
1: yeah I that, well, it,
2: yeah <laughs>
4: no because it was
1: about as good as scenario that that could have worked out for you Austin because my worry the reason why I sold it was I was thinking that there would be some injuries or something fluky would happen but um, you had the best case scenario. You just needed Diedrich to be healthy a little bit longer than yes. he was.
2: Right. I mean, if he runs all year like he did against Rutgers, even half that well, he probably runs. I, I was going to say Nebraska wanted Adrian to be the leading rusher. He was obviously very effective, but yeah. a full year Diedrich Mills. I think that was a Mills question.
4: Just needed one or maybe one and a half more games like what he had against Rutgers, um, and he would have mm-hmm. taken care of that. So right, right close. Over. All
6: right, another one from October 21st. Ben asked this one: Buy or sell that Antonio Brown would score a touchdown in the NFL regular season? And that was a buy. He picked up his first touchdown last week against the Falcons. And once again, everybody sold this one except for Josh.
1: Let's go! Wow, let's Good go, work, Josh. <laughs> I hey, this is
4: this is making my percentage what I need it to be. So everyone can climb <laughs> off my back. Yeah, so. this is true. <laughs> You're right. And that is true. That's that's a good point. I'm actually going to hold off on giving any of those until we wrap up the season. Once the season is over when we there you go. play yeah, it, we then can I'll make the proclamation then. Right, exactly. Um, we have a lot to get through tonight, so we'll hold off on that. But we move on to another answer, this one from Austin, another Husker football-related question from October 21st. Fire sell that Nebraska would make at least 75% of their field goals and average at least 41 yards Per punt the answer was a sell colt connor colt made 86.7 percent of the field goals he was the only one to attempt a field goal this year for the huskers so that part of it was right but it was an and question and you know greg avoids those like the plague the other part of it the huskers only averaged 39.7 yards per punt as a team now pristop was over 41 but it, it Austin's question didn't specify it was as a team yeah. in Nebraska, so uh-huh. it was under. And the left half of us sold it. Greg Ben and myself sold it and were right. The other three, Brett, Austin, and Tim, they Man. were incorrect with buys.
1: How about that, boys? Man, the 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 specificity, specificity. What's the word? What, what what's specificity. the word there? There you Specific go. You were right the I first know. time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> of the of the question kind of nailed some to the cross there
4: yes well here's yeah. the thing too is i, I feel like when it's i another okay line though. no it was a good line oh yeah, i know it was a great line i sold it believing that it that the punting average would be over 41 yards but then the field goals would be yeah. under like field goals it's pretty easy you just get in a little bit of a rut you miss two or three in a row and that there goes your season you're not going to go right. over 75 percent at that point <laughs> but it was right. the other way
6: Moving on to some uh, questions asked on November 4th. This one asked by Ben, a college football question by sell that BYU and Cincinnati would finish the year with a combined three losses or fewer, including their bowl games. And we can already say that that's a bye. BYU already finished the year 11-1, and Cincinnati sits at 9-0 with just their bowl game left, meaning only two games are possible to lose. So Brett, or myself, Austin, and Tim, we <laughs> all bought that and got it right. Uh, Greg Ben, and Josh split it in half they sold it and we're incorrect.
1: What a good question. Pat myself great on the question. back. Great job.
4: line. Great question. 50-50 exactly split.
1: What you
6: want. <laughs> but you got it
1: wrong I just needed to get it right. <laughs> Everything that... up
4: until the last part.
1: Yeah, so I was going to
6: say is that how you saw it going, but is, is that Obviously. pretty much how you saw it going?
1: Well, I mean, I think the um, I think we were all kind of expecting the the bull matchups to be maybe tougher. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't I didn't see Coastal running through. It's funny because they played each other. Um, Coastal and BYU played each other, right? And so mm-hmm. that that I mean, that you had two undefeateds going there. So um, I know Coastal wasn't involved in the question, but you know, with BYU and you know, we, we thought Cincinnati might trip up in the conference championship. Obviously, that didn't happen either. Um,
4: Almost they, they won. Yeah, they won all the games that they needed to. Yeah, they sure did. That was a good question. though. I, that was fun to follow. Uh, next up, Brett from the NFL November 4th question here. Buy or sell that the New York Jets would score at least 100 points combined in their final eight games. They had scored 94 in their first eight or that they would give up more than 240 over those last eight games of the season. The answer was a buy because they have now scored 112 points in six games. They didn't even need all eight to get over 100. Um, they've only allowed 175, so they might uh, allow under that number two that Brett said as the line. Uh, Greg and Tim were both incorrect or cells. The rest of us got it right with a buy. Yeah, how'd that feel, Greg? Yeah, Greg. one <laughs>
6: wrong. Yeah. Not even here. <laughs> all right, next. Now up, to by uh, himself
4: yeah that's alright though, that's fine <laughs> from uh,
6: November 25th been at a Husker men's basketball question by herself that Nebraska would have two different players record a double double before 2021 uh, at the time or, uh, there had been none since uh, December 16th the last time we checked but it ended up being a bye they had two against Doan Delano Benton with a triple double in that game and then Ivan Drago with a double-double Greg, Ben, and Austin all bought that and got it correct Ben even guessed both players so he gets the bonus point on that one Bingo Josh, Josh, myself, and Tim uh, incorrect splitting that question Ben again with a a solid question there
4: Yeah, we don't give out bonus points that liberally either but since you guessed exactly on the nose which two players would get it
1: I wouldn't have guessed Ivan
4: No I know I, I just
1: know my stuff really is basically what it comes down to Same game, yeah?
4: Yeah, same, in the game. same game against Don. And you, I mean,
1: thank you, Don. It was an added game down down too. The, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for coming down and playing, gotten... boys.
4: <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, it, it's 2020, so obviously you, you roll with the punches. But in a normal year, that game wouldn't have even happened. Yeah, so, yeah. But that's all right. You you got it right. It uh, counts and the foul. Exactly. <laughs> Next up, Greg, Husker football question. Buyers sell that the Huskers would outgain Rutgers in their game last Friday. <laughs> that was that a... Happened. <laughs> and emphatic by 620 to 252 was the final we count. We can confirm that, that, that the, the, with the recount that we did indeed finish with more yards. And that everybody everybody was emphatic in their answer, all buying it. Everybody was right. Let's, Thanks, Greg. Let's go home. That Greg just gave <laughs> us the. Oh, man. No Tims on that one. No, no one Tim did. Not it. one. Not one person. All right, uh, my
6: question uh, from last week an NBA question buyer saw that Taylor Horton Tucker of the Los Angeles Lakers would score at least half as many points as Kawhi Leonard in their matchup last night. Uh, that ended up being a sell. Horton Tucker in 12 minutes only had six points, Kawhi ended up with 26 points. Uh, Greg, and my I got Greg to buy that one with myself, and we got an to <laughs> Everyone else was correct. I love well, that. I that's sell.
2: how you phrase it. That's awesome. <laughs> What a good oh, salesman man. you are, Brett. Way to go. Yeah. You drew
4: him in. You got him. Honestly, it wasn't too far off. Yeah. Eh. Yes and no. I should have. <laughs> needed yeah. half as many, so we needed what? Seven more? He needed, seven more yeah, points. seven more. He needed to get to 13. Quite had a good night. 26 is solid. He did. I think Gordon Tucker team. will see uh, uh, quite a few
6: more minutes, though, here. Coming.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if it hadn't been game one, maybe it would have been a lot closer, but wasn't. All right, uh, last question that we have an answer to. This one from Tim, a Big Ten football question by herself that Ohio State would beat Northwestern by three touchdowns or more or Northwestern would score the first points of the game. That was a sell. This was an or question, but it was still a sell. Ohio State scored first, so the second part of that didn't happen. And Ohio State only won by 12 points, not by three touchdowns. So it was a sell. Greg and I were the only ones to sell it, so we were the only ones to get it right. Everybody else wrong with the buy. Dang. Got the point back. That was big. Yeah, that that was big. Let's look at the totals as we head into our last week of questions. Ben, you had a good week. You you and I were both 8 of 11, and that bonus point really helped you out there as – Greg uh, was six of eleven, so this is—I mean—going into this final week of questions, it's really between Greg and Ben here. But Greg is up by three points, ninety-seven to ninety-four. Austin, kind of within shouting distance, but not really. He's at ninety-one points, so he'd It'll take need a, a miracle. It would take a miracle. Um, it's probably not going to happen, and especially this—the format that we're doing this—it's close enough between first and second place that we're not going to make. Uh, Greg go first with his answers so right and so only I'm down only three right we can do that Down yes. three. It's, yeah. it is one workable possession. and here's the thing too is we have at least three or four more questions that will be answered probably more than that by the time we get to uh the the wrap-up of season one so let's let's jump in and Ben you get the honors of asking the first question okay let's go ahead and dive into it this is an NBA
1: question Buy or sell? That the last undefeated team in the NBA is in the Western Conference. So, yes, that's the Lakers. That's uh, I mean, not the, the Lakers. Bl- the Blazers, yeah. um, Clippers. Um, you know, all those all those teams on the west on the Western Conference. Um, what am I gonna do? I feel like I feel like I'm gonna buy that. Uh, so the other side would be be what? Brett Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Milwaukee Boston, but they're
1: down. M- Milwaukee. Yeah. A lot of Philly, those teams play each other. Toronto. Yeah. So give me uh give me the Western Conference.
6: Okay. I'm gonna sell that one. I think the Western Conference is just more competitive, so they're gonna beat up on each other more.
4: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's Ooh. my logic as well. I'm I'm selling it. I think the Eastern Conference somebody will
2: stick out and be able to go on a little bit of a run. See, I'm gonna buy it because my pick would have been Milwaukee from the East, but they're down decently big to Boston, so I will. I'll take the West on this one. All right. All right. I'll, I guess
4: I'll get so answers from the other guys. Or no? We do not have answers yet. This will okay. be a mystery. It'll that will it'll that, make it even more exciting. Something. Yeah, add yeah. some drama. We won't well, even know what sure. the answers are going into Greg
6: getting to Greg getting to answer last even though Well, he dead. won't know what That's
4: the answers it. are. And I guess unless he's listening, technically he could submit his answers late, but I'll I'll make sure he gets his answers in by the end of the night
2: or else or else Maybe all right else, austin but... i interrupted you you're up next <laughs> oh sweet all right i'll go to big 10 football buy or sell that at least three big 10 teams cover the spread in their bowl games those spreads are wisconsin minus seven iowa favored by 14 and a half northwestern by a field goal and a half ohio state is seven and a half point dogs and indiana is a six and a half point favorite I will buy that at least three Big Ten teams cover. I would lean toward Indiana, Northwestern, and Ohio State. We so do- how many? How, there are six games. Is that right? Well, there are five with the potential for six if Ohio State were to beat Clemson. Okay, so makes it fun. Well, and if Ohio State beats Clemson, then
4: they obviously covered. That's so then one. you're right. Um, while well, we're I'll, I'll just go here. I'm going to buy buy this one. It seemed like I don't know exactly which ones I'm picking, but it seemed like in when we did our Big Ten picks last hour, it seemed as though I was picking teams to cover, cover their mm. spreads a lot. So I'll buy it. Brett? Yeah, I'll go and buy that one too.
6: No real logic behind that answer.
1: <laughs> and now- I'm going to sell it. <laughs> I, I know I picked a lot of the Big Ten teams to win, but I- – I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm gonna sell it.
4: I was gonna say, are you guessing that Greg is gonna buy it, and you're trying to make up a? No, point? No, I, I.
1: I wasn't going. I wasn't going for that logic, but I do feel <laughs> like, uh, you know, some of those lines are real close. Yeah. And you know, it, close to being zero, right? So right. you know, you've gotta, you got know, The other team has a good chance to win. I guess is where I'm going.
4: Sure. All right. Next up, uh, I'll go here with an NFL question by ourselves that Tom Brady and Drew Brees combined for at least 500 passing yards. In the next game, they start, and I will actually sell that. And I have some reasoning, but I'll wait until after everybody else gives their answer first. i I'll sell that one
6: because I don't think Breeze has a, has the ability to
1: stay in a game for the entire game, maybe. All right. Ben? I'm going to sell that. Um... I did not like what I saw from Drew Brees, and I, he just—I don't know that he can throw. I mean, I think yeah. it's a great line. I think it's—I I really think it's a good line. Um, I think—I think, I think the, the Vegas would tell you to buy it, but I'm just going to sell it.
4: All
2: right, Austin. So we've got New Orleans playing Minnesota. Is that correct? Yeah. And then Tampa Bay, Detroit are the matchups. Yep.
4: Those are the matchups.
2: I think Tom does most of the damage. In this one, but I don't think it's quite enough to push that 500 yard mark. I will sell.
4: Interesting. So uh, if you had taken their last week's totals, it would have been over 600 yards passing because Woo. Tom had almost 400. But hmm. the reason I sold it is because Brady has been going up and down, yo yoing each yeah. week up yeah. and down. And so oh, he's yeah. had, you know, 300 some one week and then under 200 the next week. And it's been going back and forth. That so.
6: Falcons secondary, I think, ranks among the last right. in the league. So, but yeah, I'm yeah. selling that. Brett? All right. Well, I I got a football question, but not American football. We go across the pond (laughs) for this one by sell that Chelsea defeats Arsenal by at least three goals in their December 26th matchup, or Arsenal scores a goal on a penalty. And uh, Mm. I'm going to go ahead and buy that one. Arsenal's been absolutely garbage this
4: year. Is Chelsea good? Chelsea's really good. They're uh, in the top five. Hmm. I'm going to sell. I usually, I'm a sucker for the or questions, but in this case, it seems like both of those things are not likely, I guess, but yeah, I'll sell it. I I feel like I'm going to sell that one too.
1: I don't know how penalty kicks, how popular they are. I would think that happens, <laughs> what, maybe one every four or five games? With,
6: with VAR, it happens a lot more often <laughs> oh, these days.
1: All right.
2: All right. I just want both uh, teams to have a good time. <laughs> so what are you doing then? <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll I'll sell it. Three seems like a lot, even if Arsenal does need some more weapons in yeah. there. Uh, arsenal. Oh, good point. I'm going to be rooting hard for some yeah. goals.
6: Yeah.
4: Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Greg submitted a question from the NFL. Very simple by ourselves that both Arizona and Miami make the playoffs, and I believe actually he submitted his answer with this one and he sold it but um, I am going to buy because I think both of those teams are playing well right now I haven't looked at the standings lately but it seems like they're both on track to make the playoffs
1: well they're both in right now right
4: yeah
6: I'll buy that one and just figure that there's not going to be too much change in the last
1: few weeks Miami plays who They play the Raiders, right? Yeah, they do. Who does Baltimore play?
2: No idea. Uh, They get the New York football Giants.
1: Okay. Well, I would have liked Vegas' chance to beat Miami with Derek Carr. I don't know how much trust I have in Marcus Mariota. Because Baltimore has to beat one-up Miami uh, to take their (laughs) spot. Um, and then on the other side, let's see Arizona. They're a game up on Chicago. I like Arizona's chances They got the Niners next week um, I'm gonna sell it give me give me the Ravens over the Dolphins
2: all right Austin Ooh. did you Ah, uh, my, my gut told me to sell I as I look at the seedings I want to buy it, but I'm gonna stick with my gut and I will sell it. Okay all right i got
6: tim's question a husker men's basketball question by our that nebraska will have at least four players score in double figures against michigan on christmas day or the huskers shoot above 35 percent from beyond the arc and i will go ahead and buy this one and figure that they have a a really hot day
4: uh i'm gonna sell i don't love that usually tim Will buy his own questions, so I'm going to go off that assumption and, and <laughs> yeah, sell. It hurt's not having his answers right now. I, I think both of those are possible. I would say the 35% from three is more likely, but.
1: Yeah, we always play terrible against those guys. Right, and it and that's. It frustrates horrible. me. Yeah. So I'm going to sell it. Four players, a double figure it seems it. like a lot. That's probably um, not going to happen. And the and, uh, 35%, they did not shoot well. I guess I'm going to I'm going to stick with with them shooting poorly until until I see him do it. So I'm going to sell it. All right. Especially I'll,
2: against a basketball school like Michigan, I'll sell it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Ben back to you.
1: All right, back to me. This is a college football question and this one has particular interest for us those that are participating in the fantasy bold drafts. Buy or sell that the leading passer, rusher and receiver In bowl games that begin today, so the two that count today, combine for 850 yards, or have at least 10 touchdowns. So let me clarify. Let's say passer throws for 412 and rushes for 60. We're only counting his passing yards. Got it. Okay. So it needs to be just the passing yards, just the rushing yards, just the receiving yards. And I always root for offense. You boys know that,
4: so I'm buying it. You're a, yeah, you're buying.
2: Uh, what happened in the games uh, it, earlier today? Not much. Yeah, no. It's one thing to root for offense. It's another to take the point here. I think that would be a lot to get to 850 yards and 10 touchdowns. So I, I hope it's a buy. That would be entertaining, but I think I'm going to sell it for the, the purpose of this exercise.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm selling too. I, it seemed, like Austin said, that seems like a lot. Yeah, I'll I'll sell that one just knowing what we we know today. All right,
6: Austin.
2: I will go back to Husker Sports, men's and women's basketball combo again. Buy or sell the Nebraska men's and women's basketball combined to average 65 points per game in conference games through games on January 5th. So for Nebraska women, that is a game against Northwestern and a game against Rutgers at home. And then for the men, it's Michigan and Michigan State at home and on the road at Ohio State and Purdue. I'm going to buy it. I think the offense get on track. The women are there. The men a little bit short in their first game against Wisconsin, but I think they will just squeak over that 65-point average combined.
4: I think that's a good line. I'm going to buy it, though. I think that you're right. I, I, all it will take is – a one of in one of the games just scoring you know 75 points and I feel like that'll basically get you there yeah that's a really tough line I'll buy that one too but
1: yeah
6: man I really wanted to sell that still well, came <laughs> yeah
1: I'm gonna buy it too um just because Joss's logic I mean you never know you could get into maybe an overtime game or something that that helps boost that average up a little bit but uh
4: it's not looking good right now for either side to yeah. be honest all right, right. Let's. Uh, we have two more questions left. I'm up next, and this one uh, kind of relates to something that you mentioned earlier, Ben. Uh, Byer saw that the winner of the Husker Sports Network College Football Bull Draft scores at least 375 points in victory. And across both drafts? <laughs> across both drafts, yes. We do two drafts, but across the totality of those drafts, 375 points. I'm going to buy that. I'm buying it too. I like my boys. They're gonna do
2: it. <laughs>
4: Y'all buy that. Give me all
2: the points. All the points. Yep, I'm buying. Go boats. You're you're <laughs> in the early lead. You even <laughs> named your team. <laughs> <laughs> haven't you learned by now
1: that the boats sink sink at the wrong time, Austin. It's true. Well,
2: you know, I'm gonna keep it's my T. Y. Hilton, you know, enthusiasm. There you, go. you T.Y. just keep booing. Just keep going. Just keep going.
4: All right, Brett,
6: finish off. All right, we wrap up with an NBA question by ourselves that the leading scorers from the five Christmas Day games will combine to average at least 29.5 points. And I'm going to go ahead and buy that one and, and hope that I watch a lot of point scoring on Christmas.
1: <laughs> Give me the points. I'm buying. Ben's always yeah, with know. points.
6: I'm still. So- ben with points and Greg with parlays.
1: Yes. <laughs> gonna
4: happen. Ben's all for him and Greg's against him. I'm going to yeah. sell here. I, That's a. A good line, but I'm going to go a little bit under. Because I, I think that maybe one of those games, the leading score will be at, like, 22, 23. So that will yeah. bring it down.
2: Yeah. I think Luca leads the Mavs. He gets 30. I don't know who it's going to be from Clippers Nuggets. But I don't think they get there. KD or PG. Kyrie could go off against the Celtics. Maybe that drags it up. Giannis will probably have a day against the Warriors. Pelicans, Heat. I'm not sure. I think it's closed, but I think it's going to be more more 26, 27 points. So mark me down as a sell, please. All right. You're marked
4: down. We're done.
1: Good stuff, boys. Appreciate all the hard work and the questions, even the absentees who did not submit their
2: answers. Shame on them. Well, a couple days away from Christmas, we've got a gift, an early Christmas gift right now, a chance to talk to Matt Cotney, the voice of Husker women's basketball. A tough game today for the Huskers, Matt, at 83-72, to lost to Purdue. I know you'd love to be on the trip. You and Jeff Grisha road warriors, but it's a snowy day in Lincoln. I'm sure you don't mind being, you know, warm in a studio, all nice and cozy, calling the game instead of traveling back and all this.
0: Uh, Well, I've been at Purdue many times when there was snow and 50-mile-per-hour winds. But, uh, you know, Jeff Griesch, my broadcast partner, had a really uh, interesting stat in his last game notes. The first time that neither he nor I have been at a Nebraska women's basketball game uh, going back to 1998. Um, was the game at in Indiana. So it does feel kind of weird, but I'm just so happy that we could stay safe and present these games. So a uh, tough one today for the Huskers, no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, they, uh, they come home and hopefully the warm, friendly confines, of Pinnacle Bank Arena will, will help them.
2: You mentioned Nebraska getting back home. The state of Indiana, not great to Nebraska these last four days. A big loss to a ranked Indiana team that wanted to make up for its loss to Tennessee. But then some growth from Sunday's game to today. Nebraska battles against Purdue. Really a game of runs. But I think we saw some growth even a couple states over from Nebraska.
0: Well, I think the Indiana game, just like you mentioned, the Hoosiers were coming off a game against Tennessee that they added after they had a game against Butler that was canceled due to COVID-19. Uh, that Indiana really uh, did not shoot the ball well at all. They they made they they missed twenty five three pointers in that game and. Uh, They have very high purpose this year, so they were very focused. And it was Nebraska's first game since the injury to Ruby Porter where they had put this new lineup out there with three forwards uh, playing only with seven. Now that they had a couple of days staying on the road and were able to kind of refine some things and take a look at what happened against the Indiana, we saw uh, much more balanced scoring by this Nebraska team. And I thought Jeff Grease did a great job during our broadcast of talking about Ashley Scoggins' aggressiveness, offensively going after loose balls, uh, that type of thing. So much better effort today by Nebraska. But I'm telling you, Austin, uh, when you have seven players only available um, to play in a Big Ten game, it's always going to be tough. So credit Nebraska for, uh, for hanging in there pretty tough against a good Purdue team today.
2: Mentioned that. I've, every starter scores at least six points for Nebraska against Purdue. Paced by Isabel Bourne, 22 points, 10 of 17 from the floor, including a couple of three-pointers. Matt, she's really grown offensively. She's really been the workhorse for Nebraska on the offensive end so far this year. How have you seen her grow? What do you like from Izzy Bourne so far?
0: Well, let's start with how her teammates see her, Austin. She's a team captain. Uh, and I think that says a lot about uh, her exceptional leadership. And even though Izzy is only a sophomore, this is somebody who has played a lot internationally. She has played with uh, one of the premier um, under 18 groups the in Australia, and she's played internationally. She's played against players much older than her. So coming here, this is a player basketball-wise that um, isn't your normal sophomore. And then because of her international experience, she's, she's a very mature person. And so to see Izzy step up and, you know, even though she has been – a much better scorer this year. What I'm seeing out of Izzy is consistency. And that's a pretty hard thing to get from someone. As a coach, you want to know, hey, I can write you down for 12 points and five rebounds every night. And right now, Amy Williams has got to ask Izzy Bourne to give Nebraska 15 points and five rebounds every day. Today, she gives him 22 points and seven rebounds. Uh, Amy Williams knows she can get that from Izzy Bourne. She's a team captain. She is now a respected leader on this team. And so that's really the growth that I see is leadership and consistency.
2: Not too bad for someone playing out of position because of all the depth issues you mentioned even.
0: You know, uh, one of the things we've talked about in our broadcast is Izzy reminds us a lot of Chelsea Obrey, who was one of the great Huskers uh, back, uh, oh, what, about 15 years ago. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Izzy. International experience. Came out of Canada. Chelsea ended up being the captain of the Canadian national team. Played in the Olympics. And Chelsea, uh, one year when the Huskers had some injury problems, had to move from the four to the three position very soon similar to what Izzy has to do, um, kind of different games, but kind of a similar story. Chelsea also was very much of a leader, very consistent, very respected by her team. So um, it, it's the kind of thing that when you have to change positions, you have to be mature enough to be able to handle it. And uh, obviously the coaching staff feels as he can do that.
2: Talking with Matt Cotney here on Sports Nightly, Matt, the voice of Nebraska women's basketball. Nebraska falls to Purdue 83-72. to 72. Matt, a couple new starters with the depth issues. Ashley Scoggin and Bella Cravens have played well the last few games for Nebraska. They're among a host of newcomers. Who have you liked from the newcomers? What have you seen from the new faces in the Husker women's basketball program so far this year?
0: Well, it's hard not to be excited about what Bella Cravens brings. We talked about maturity. This is a player who uh, led the Big Sky Conference in rebounding when she played at Eastern Washington. And uh, somebody who... Uh, as I said, she came through the door ready to dance, I said the first time I saw her. She looks very comfortable on the low block. She can step out to about 16 feet and hit the jumper, but she's going to get rebounds. And Nebraska needs somebody who can be that bully on the block and go get the rebound. She's always scrappy in their double-digit rebounds today uh, for Bella Cravens. Uh, and she's also very mature. She has played uh, Division I basketball. She came here to play at the highest level. And you talk about Ashley Scoggin this is a player uh, I hope fans understand that she's kind of playing a little bit out of position she's really a shooting guard and she's an exceptional three-point shooter but she's having to play with the ball in her hands quite a bit and the matchups that she's getting are a little bit different than I think what this coaching staff would see for her so we haven't seen the consistency out of Ashley Scoggin 16 points today ties her career career high for Nebraska, zero against Indiana. I think she's learning how to play against some of these teams. Jeff Grease made a great point in today's broadcast that if Ashley Scoggin gets a chance to go up against Purdue again, she's probably going to guard Carissa McLaughlin a little differently. So, uh, But still very exciting to see what, what Scoggin and Cravens can give the Huskers this year.
2: Eight days off till Nebraska and Northwestern. Go Happy Festivus. Merry Christmas <laughs> to you and yours. We'll hear from you on the doorstep of a new year.
0: Uh, absolutely, Austin. Thank you for everything that you do for the Husker Sports Network. And to everybody out there, we wish you uh, happy holidays.